There have been some defining moments in history and indeed in everyday life when silence, silence has fallen across the land where it seems as though all has gone quiet, where people and nations held their breath, either in anticipation or in disbelief. Indeed, over the past week, silence and disbelief has swept our nation following the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. And as the news broke on Thursday evening, many mouths just fell open. The nation in mourning, many trying to find and probably failing to find the adequate words to summarise 70 years of faithful service. It will be a moment which will be etched in the memory as one of those where were you when you heard the news moments. People will long remember where they were when they first heard that news. Indeed, there have been many other instances and events throughout history which have fallen into this category. There'll be some in this room who are old enough to remember the moon landing. Where were you when man stepped on the moon? Or even the assassination of President John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr. Or the 9-11 Twin Towers attacks. Today is, of course, the 11th of September. Many will remember the fall of the Berlin Wall, a day which many thought would never come. Or even a couple of years ago, you may remember where you were when you heard those words from the Prime Minister, or then Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, when he came onto our televisions and announced lockdown restrictions for the very first time because of the outbreak of COVID-19. There are moments in history when silence falls upon the world and that silence can be deafening. Deafening. Last week, we started our series Rise and Fall, considering the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel together and we considered Hannah's desire for a child. We looked at how God answered the cry of her heart and how this subsequently led to his, Samuel's, dedication of service to the Lord in the temple. Hannah has prayed her prayer of dedication, which was prophetic in nature, and left her beloved son in the charge of Eli the priest at Shiloh. And then we read these words in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could hardly see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of the Lord was. In those days, 
the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. The silence of God was deafening. Perhaps even pal uh, palpable. How could it be that the God of Israel was silent? How could it be that Yahweh was not speaking with and communing with his people regularly? Something must have been terribly wrong for something like this to happen. Living through the period of the judges, of divided tribes and kingdoms, the people did what was right in their own eyes. And whilst not as strong as a disdain, they seemed to have an unhealthy disregard for the things of God. They knew the customs of God. They knew the law which had been passed down for generation to generation to generation. They heard the stories of God the Deliverer and how he had led the people out of slavery in Egypt, how he had provided manna for them in the wilderness. They knew the stories, they knew the law, and they knew it like the back of their hand. But it didn't really in practice seem to matter much to the people anymore. Sure, there were those who were faithful and those who kept on doing what was upright and did their utmost to be the holy nation that they had been called to be. But what about the majority of the people? What about the majority of the nation? Well, the book of Judges tells us time and time and time again that judge after judge the people did what was right in their own eyes. And as a result, a divide began to widen and widen and widen and widen. Widening to the point that the God of Israel, who once spoke clearly and frequently to his people, now spoke rarely and withheld visions from the people. Eli the priest still ministered in the temple and, and Samuel, this young boy from Ramah, ministered alongside him. The seven lamps on the golden lampstand which stood in the temple shone brightly as they tended to them, putting in the specially prepared oil, clearing the suit from them tending to the wicks of the candles and ensuring that whilst the worship of the Lord Almighty took place in the temple, that the lights did not go out. That the lights did not go out. The Ark of the Covenant where God's presence dwelt was present in the temple. The young boy, Samuel, however, after a day of serving the Lord, goes to rest his head and rest his body for a good night's sleep ahead of another day of worship tomorrow. I am so glad. And I shared around something around the temple yesterday evening when I had the privilege of speaking at the induction service. I am so glad that the priests now don't have to do what the priests had to do then because it was tedious work. 
over and over and over again, making sure that the, the oil was specially prepared, making sure that there was no soot that was gonna cause a stain on the lampstand, making sure that the wicks were perfectly tended to. And I said last night, and I'll say again, if that was the job of the minister today, I'd be wick at it. Be wick at it. But Samuel has gone through these rituals day after day, and rituals is what they were. Important nonetheless, but rituals they were. And day after day, he did the same thing, shadowing Eli the priest and being allowed a little bit more responsibility as the days, weeks, months and years went on. And one night when he's still a young boy, he's tired. So he goes to bed. Another day, another day of service, yet there was still silence. God remained quiet. How could this be? How could this be? I wonder if you've ever had one of those moments where something just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for the longest time. And then one day when you're sitting and you're thinking about something else entirely, you go, oh, that's what that means. You ever have one of those moments where the penny just seems to drop? Maybe it's one of those things which your parents had said to you years ago, but at the time you were too close or too stubborn in the situation or even too naive to know that what they were saying was true. And as I grow older, I am, albeit reluctantly, starting to understand that most of the times that I believed I was right, and I stood my ground, and I dug my heels in and was indignant, that actually, I wasn't the one who was right at all. My father was. Or maybe you heard that line growing up. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Is it, Jack? You thought to yourself as you get scalped across the backside. Yet, you find yourself having the same conversations now that you're a little older and a little wiser. Or perhaps you, you find yourself thanking God for the prayers that he didn't answer. He didn't answer the way that you wanted him to back then. We do well to thank God for answered prayer. But we would also do well to thank God for the prayers that he did not answer the way that we wanted him to. We're told in the scriptures that the eyes of Eli the priest are weakening and that he could barely see. This is a line which is very easy for us just to, to read and go, that's a nice little piece of detail. As somebody who has had to write not one but two dissertations sometimes you a writer will throw in a line for the sake of throwing in a line because it adds to the word count and it would have been very easy for us and would be even now for us to think that this line is just a throwaway line a nice little extra detail that is thrown in to add a little more flavor to the story 
But we've got to remember as we read scriptures that every word in the scripture is there for a reason. It is indeed the living word of the living God for us, his living people. So everything's in there for a reason. You see, the writer here is not just speaking to Eli's physical plight with his eyes, which were beginning to fail him quite badly, but he also speaks to the spiritual state in which Eli the priest and his family find themselves in these days. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, had a fragrant disregard for the law of God. Eli, their father, and the head priest at the temple, however, wasn't the father that he needed them to be. He did not rebuke them. He did not correct them, or he didn't even take the time to point out their feelings. Rather, he turned a blind eye, pun intended, to what was happening amongst his sons. The word of the Lord, we're told, was rare in those days. For God, who is holy and could not tolerate such unholiness and fragrant disregard of the law by the priests of the temple, withheld the visions, withheld his presence, and his word became rare. Eli's physical eyes were failing him, but so too were his spiritual eyes and his spiritual ears. Just as the silence had been deafening, so too had Eli began to become blind and deaf to the things of God. And the saddest thing about all of that was that he didn't even realise that it was happening. He was going about his daily business. He was doing stuff for the Lord. Yet he was growing in spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. God was not speaking and he certainly was not hearing. Then the Lord called Samuel. The silence was broken. The Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. You can just imagine it, can't you? He's like, go to bed, Samuel. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, 
Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Church, how's your spiritual hearing? I know many of your hearing, physical hearing is not great. Although none of you have ever accused me of being too quiet, so it must be all right. But how is your spiritual hearing? How is your spiritual sight? I wonder if we've become so accustomed to listening to the loudest voices in the room, which tells us the way that we are to live, how we are to dress, how we are to interact with one another, how we're to treat one another, how we're, how we're to carry ourselves and sell ourselves, that we have perhaps become deaf to the voice of God when he calls. That we couldn't possibly think for a moment that it would be God calling. So we simply disregard his promptings and his instruction out of hand and go back to whatever it was that we were doing in the first place or whatever it was that we were in the middle of doing at that moment. Eli was the priest of the temple, for goodness sake. If anyone should have recognised that this was the voice and calling of God to young Samuel, it should have been Eli. You can probably forgive him the first time. Sometimes children can hear things that aren't there. When it's dark and the lights are out, it can be a scary place as the mind runs wild and they run to Eli would have been in many ways a surrogate father to him. And he runs to Eli and he says, you called me. And Eli goes, no, Samuel, go back to bed. You can forgive it the first time, can't you? You can forgive it the first time, but see when it happens again. See when it happens again. If anyone should have recognised that this was God, it should have been Eli the priest. It should have been him. Yet he had allowed himself to get so busy and so wrapped up in doing the things of God out of routine and out of duty that he had lost sight who he was doing it for. And he'd lost that zeal and desire to listen to the promptings and to the voice of God. I don't know about you, but when somebody's withholding themselves from me, I want them a little bit more. I crave a little bit more of their attention. I am very thankful that I have a wife that doesn't believe in silent treatment because I would not cope very well with the silent treatment at all. But we're all familiar with the concept of the silent treatment, aren't we? God is giving the people of Israel and Eli the priest the silent treatment. But he's giving them it for good reason. Because they're completely disregarding what he's saying. And if somebody's giving you the silent treatment, deep down the thing you want most is for them to speak to you. You can put up a front. You can dig your heels in. But if you strip it all away, 
What you really want is that individual, that group of people, whoever or whatever it is, you just want to hear their voice say your name, don't you? When the silent treatment comes. Eli had got so wrapped up in doing stuff for God that he had lost that desire to even hear from him anymore. He perhaps even lost that belief that he ever would hear from him again. There may be people in this room today that believe that God's giving them the silent treatment. I want to say to you today that God is never late, nor is he early. He always arrives and he always speaks precisely when he means to and precisely when he needs to. Maybe you're seeking the Lord for an answer to something. Maybe you're seeking the Lord for guidance on something. Remember what we said earlier. There may be a day that you look back and you thank God for that unanswered prayer or that he answers it in a completely different way than you could ever anticipate or appreciate in these moments. We live in a day where the, Lord, the word of the Lord is not rare. God is speaking to his people. We have the benefit, and remember last week we looked at this a little bit, of the importance of not going wandering through the Old Testament unescorted. We need to do so, and as we study it, we need to go through it through the lens of the risen and exalted Christ. The word of the Lord is not rare, for the spirit of the living God dwells within the life of the believer. God is speaking. God is calling. God is wooing. But how is our spiritual hearing? Are we so wrapped up and so busy just as Eli was doing stuff for God? And it's important to serve. You'll never hear a pastor say it's not. It's important to serve. It's important to get stuck in. But what is far more important than anything that we can do for God is that we are in relationship with him. Today, we collected our alabaster offering. And Graham and I met way back in January. And we talked about how great would it be to have whole services dedicated to this. And I'll be honest, it got to this week, probably around Thursday. And I remembered I told him that I would preach on alabaster today. <laughs> but actually, the passage which Ida read out for us, that we get this concept and reality of alabaster from, actually does quite closely relate to the passage that we look at and that we study today. Because it is important to serve the Lord. It is important to tell others of the love of the Lord. It is imperative 
that we are found doing the Father's business. But it is more important that we are sensitive to his leading, that we are regularly communing with him, and that everything we do pours out of the overflow of our relationship with him. In that passage with the alabaster jar, which was broken and poured over, poured, poured over Jesus, as it was poured over him, even the disciples, the ones who were closest to Jesus, ridiculed this woman who we know to be Mary of Bethany. They ridiculed her and they said, do you know how much money that's worth? Do you know what we could have done with that if you hadn't have been so selfish and caused the scene? You can just imagine them, typical men, right? Having a go. I can say it because I'm a man, right? Having a go, having a go, having a go, having a go. Yet Jesus turns around and he says, as long as my word's proclaimed, the story of what this woman's done here today will be told over and over and over and over again. It is good to give offering. And we praise God for your faithfulness and your generosity. And we believe that the Lord will take it in the same way that he took the two, um, two fish and the five loaves. I had to think about what way around it was there, right? He'll take it in the same way that he took the loaves and the fish and he will multiply it to the extension of his kingdom, both here and afar. But God doesn't want your stuff. God doesn't want what you can give him. God wants you. God wants me. God wants relationship with us. That's why the son came. That's why he came. To lay down his life so that we could have relationship with him. There's no way that it should have taken Eli three times to twig on to what was happening. The penny should have dropped a long time before it did. And similarly, when the word of the Lord comes to us, it should not be taking us a lifetime to recognise that it is him who is speaking to us. Sometimes we want this big fanfare. Sometimes we wait for a sign. I love that there's a wee coffee shop in Dunfermline that I used to go to quite often and you open up the, the door and you walk into the bathroom and right above the, the toilet, it says, this is the sign you're looking for, right? This is the sign that you're looking for. So often we almost demand that God sends this big sign that there could be no way that it was anybody else. But as we read through the scripture, we need to remember that when the Lord spoke, it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in the whirlwind, it wasn't in the fire, but it was in the still, 
small voice. It was in the still, small voice. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that needs to hear this truth or be reminded of this truth. Pastors do not have special access to God that you do not have. Nobody else in this room has any more access to the presence of God than you have. God freely gives himself. God longs to speak. God longs to bless. And if you're looking for a sign, this is it. This is it. God speaks to his people through his word and by his spirit. And he spoke to this young boy, Samuel. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord, I love this. The Lord came and stood there. The Lord came and stood there. The Lord physically presences himself with his people. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I believe this morning the Lord calls you by name. Maybe you've been following Jesus for as long as you can remember. Maybe you gave your life to him as a young child. And it's not all been roses in the garden, but you've got there. And he has been a steady companion all the way. If that's you, the Lord calls you by name. And the only response that is suitable is speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Maybe you're a new Christian and you've not been following him for very long. He still calls your name. And the suitable response, you've guessed it. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Or maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe you come along to keep somebody else happy, or maybe you come along to settle your own conscience. Or maybe you come along because you started coming along years ago when everybody thinks you're a Christian, so they'll probably ask more questions if you don't come along. Today the Lord calls your name. He calls your name. We're told that whenever Samuel is called of God, we're told that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, for the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Maybe you're Samuel. I know I'm Samuel. But maybe you're Samuel. 
And maybe the Lord is revealing his word to you. Maybe you've sat and you've been told over and over again how loved you are. Maybe you've sat and you've been told that God gave his son and his son laid down his life so that we could have relationship with him. Maybe you've sat there and you've hummed and you've had and you've never really said anything to anybody. One, because you didn't want to get anybody's hopes up and two, because you weren't really sure if you believed it. Or three, because you knew it was true and you'd have to do something about it. Today, the Lord calls each one of us by name and there is only one suitable response that has everlasting positive consequences. And that response is this, speak the word for your servant is listening. I'm always blown away that this was Samuel's first interaction with God. It was his first interaction and he didn't turn around and say, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this and then I'll come back and we'll have a chat. He just simply says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God is still calling people. God is still calling you and he's still calling me. Some of us he's calling into full-time vocational Christian ministry. Others he is calling into be full-time Christians, wherever they are. God is still calling each one of us. And there is only one valid response. And I speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Because the more we ignore it, the more we ignore it, the rarer the word of the Lord will become in our day. God has prepared great works for each one of us to do in his name. I wonder today, church, will our response simply be? I don't know what it all looks like. I don't know where it's going to lead. But I trust you. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. As the band come, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that in our day, you speak and you speak clearly. But Lord, let us not become like Eli, who was spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. But Lord, give us the heart of young Samuel, that we would respond with heart and with soul, that whenever you call, which you are, that our response would be, speak, Lord, 
for your servant is listening. Lord, we pray today that you would have your will and your way in each one of our lives. And that we would live in the reality that with you, the best is yet to come. And that you've never failed us. And you're not going to start now. That you are trustworthy, that you are true, that you are faithful, and that you are just. And with you, nothing is impossible. And we pray all these things in the mighty, powerful name above every other name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.